What's up, everyone? Welcome to this edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. So we are back, and uh, as is, well, I guess now it's tradition, because this is the second year that we've done it. Our last episode <laughs> of the year uh, is going to be our year-end awards, uh, which we don't like to call awards. We like to call them our 2016 Enthusiastic Seals of Approval. One of the few things that you let me have when yeah. I come up with it, you know. So, so there's that. We also have a bunch of games that we've played that are recently new. Uh, a bunch of abstract games, especially. It's gonna be Abstract City in our new games this week. Uh, but before we get to that, just a reminder: check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at Tabletop for Two on all of those. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcast of your choice. We also have a BGG Guild number two six two three. Cruise on in there. Um, show listings, discussion topics, stuff like that that we have, and we're also. On Periscope, check out Tabletop for Two, something we hope to get more into as the next year comes along. So let's get started right into it. One game that I've been looking forward to since it was announced at Gen Con uh, was Sola Fide, The Reformation. This is the new game published by Stronghold Games, designed by Jason Matthews um, of Twilight Struggle fame. And this is a two-player card game. Uh, it's about 30, 45 minutes in length where you are basically playing through many of the different events in the Christian Reformation, which happened 500 years ago. And in each game, um, one player is going to be the Catholics or the, you know, the establishment. One player is going to be the Protestants or the new religion coming up. And there's 10 basically, um, what areas in Europe yes. that you're basically fighting over, which are represented by 10 giant cardboard tiles. Yes. And at the beginning of the game, only three of those areas are able to be contested. And as those areas are, are one, basically they'll open up new areas but to be contested on the board. Touching, yeah. Right? The, the, you lay out these 10 tiles in a pyramid fashion. And so basically like when you, when you, you know, take over an area and it comes off the board, then you unlock the two areas that are directly below it. So there'll be anywhere between one and five areas up for contest at any given point during the game. And each area is also split into two different sides. So you have, you have these little, t- you have five, five or four territories on each side of the tile. It's the commoners and the nobility. Yeah. And then there's, and there's a sliding track, um, which has, which is four spaces long, which shows basically which social class has has the rule of that has area. Has the power, basically. Yeah, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to appeal with your particular brand of religion to whatever... Whichever whatever, one's yeah. higher on the scale. Yes, but you can you can uh, so or, you can rather which side it's on. So you can spread your your religion to the different territories, um, taking over territories from your opponent's control. You make it sound like a disease. Well, <laughs> um, and then you can also slide the influence scale back and forth, so you can give more power to the nobility or give it back to the commoners as as it would suit you, essentially. And you're contesting with your opponent over these areas. Um, and you do that through the play of cards. This is a card-driven game. Now, I really like the way that they set up the deck. So each player has 45 cards for their particular faction. But you're only going to use 15 of those cards in a given game. So what happens is before the game starts, you do a draft where you shuffle your 45-card deck, draw three cards, keep one of them, and then discard the other two. And you keep doing that until you have a 15-card deck. So that's pretty cool because it really changes up the different strategies that you'll have available to you in every game. And we played one game with like the preset starter deck and one game without it. And I really enjoyed the second game that much more just because it gave you a little bit more control over what you were doing, which is pretty cool. Um, Each tile is worth a set number of points. Of course, if your opponent doesn't do what you think they're going to do, you're kind of screwed. 
Yeah, each each um each tile's worth a set number of points. There's also a disputation token that can be moved around to different areas. And if you capture a tile while that token resides on it, you'll get a bonus point for it at the end of the game. Um, you play through until all the tiles have been taken, and whoever has the most points when the game ends is the winner. And in true Brad and Emily fashion, our first game ended in a tie. Yeah, there's there's only like like one or two combinations of tiles that can be taken in order for the a tie to yes, happen in this game, are, and we did it. There yeah. are five, seven tiles, and there are... No, no, it's, it's six, seven-point tiles and oh, four six, or five-point point tiles. Yeah, and we managed to each get yes. three of the sevens and two of the fives, and we got two bonus points because of the disputation token, and there we went. Yep. And of course, and of course, yeah, we each, yeah, we each got the correct number of bonus points. But yeah, I was I was looking forward to this. Now, what I did not know is apparently this is a kind of reworking of the system that was used in an older game that the same design team put forward, um, called Campaign Manager 2008, um, which was, was a game. About an yeah, it was about, no, it was about the 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 election in 2008, oh, basically. Okay. Um, and apparently, it was the it was it's a it's a reworking of that system because that game is. I see it in bargain bins all the time, mm-hmm. and apparently it's not very popular and has some issues. So I guess they took the core gameplay, fixed the, the parts that were broken, and put that in Soul Fide. I've never played Campaign Manager, and I really like Soul Fide. <laughs> like this game was really fun. Um, I was hoping that it would be good, and it's it's it was fun. Like I liked it. I, I liked it a whole lot. We've already played it twice. So we we must like it. <laughs> yeah, within a couple of days. Like I like after we played it the first time, I really wanted to play it with the the deck drafting. Um, to check that out as well, and it's it's very cool. Um, it's a very interesting system. I think uh, it plays quick enough that you know it's it, and it's not totally imbalanced. I mean, there's a little bit of imbalance because obviously, if you don't craft your deck successfully in the first part of the game, then you're going to be in for a struggle if your opponent well, did a good the job. Thing, like I had, I had put two cards in my deck, one of which was kind of like a screw you card, mm-hmm. and I never got to use it. And it kind of made me angry. But it makes you, it forces you to make those decisions and you have to be right. really cognizant of the different card effects that are in the deck, essentially. Absolutely. Um, it's also got to, and, and also just how the turns go because you, when it's your turn, you can either play a card or you can draw a card. So there's a few cards that are in the deck that require you to discard other cards, which are usually incredibly powerful. And you can play those and you can get a huge advantage, but then that usually means you're probably drawing for the next couple of turns and it gives your opponent room to to kind of maneuver as well. So there's a nice give and take there too. Yeah, I really like this game. Um it was really fun. I'm looking forward to playing it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And you might possibly even hear about it later in the show. Who knows? Oh, we'll see. Pete. We'll see. So that was Sola Fide the Reformation. Uh <laughs> check it out. Uh definitely thumbs up from both of us with that one. <laughs> Next on the list, I actually, I forgot we played this, but I really liked it when we played it, um, was uh, Discworld Ankh-Morpork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the this is a Martin Wallace game from a few years back that I'd heard nothing but positive things about, and finally got it in a trade a few months ago, and it took us a while to get it to the table, but I'm glad Basically, that we did. Basically, I said, honey, let's get some of this stuff to the table to see if we're going to keep it or not, because mm-hmm. we need space. We're running, space is at a premium here. We have yeah. a little tiny house, so. And this, and this one is a keeper, I think. Um, it's, it's very rules simple. Like the like the the rules of the it's game are very mean, incre- too. but it's a very mean game. Um, like I love it; it, it works well for us because it's mean. We like to be mean to one another when we play games, right? And and the the gameplay is is stupidly simple. There's there's a board with twelve districts on it. Um, you have minions that you can spread out in these different districts. There's a there's a bit of area control 
to this game. Um, there's also six buildings that you have, um, and you can build those buildings in the districts. And the point of doing so is that each district has a special power that's associated with it. And when you when you construct a building in there, you could get you money get the power. You might get you your money get... or discards or right. things of that nature. The gameplay is pretty simple. You literally just play a card out of your hand. Follow and the follow the, the instructions on the card. Yeah, there's symbols on the top of the card. And do you what know it what says, to do. yeah. There you go. And, and like I said, you're trying to maneuver. You're trying to control different areas on the board. Now, what makes the game unique is that each player is given a character card before the game starts. And each character has their own specific objective that they're trying to complete in order to win the game. And your opponent doesn't know what it is. It's secret to you. They'll know what options are out there, but they won't know. And you, have, they have kind of to decipher what you're doing as the game goes along, in order to to possibly block you and stop you from the game. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know normally area control games. We've talked about them before on the show. They can be kind of sticky with two players. I think this one having that secret objective definitely mm-hmm. helps. That helps. Yeah, that definitely helps, helps lot, smooth actually. that out quite a bit as the game goes along. Um, yeah, this is it's just a really solid game. Um, it's, you know, got a lot of replayability with the different cards. It's quick, too, for a game of this size, 45 minutes to an hour. A little bit lighter than I was expecting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and see, the, but the qualm I have with this is that it's a hard game to find. So if, I don't know if it's worth, like, paying a premium for this game, but if you can find a good price on it, then, yeah, I think that it's definitely one well, that would be worthwhile. for? I want to say, like, 50 bucks, something like that, give or take. Yeah. Um, How long has it been out of print? Uh, for a couple of years, a couple of years, I think Mayfair printed it to begin with, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what I know you liked it too, because I know that you have not read any of the no Discworld books, but, but you've heard I good things. To. Yeah, they have a lot of u- really unique characters and very colorful yes, people. I've heard, I've heard, because I I don't know if y'all know this, but I am an avid reader and I love to read just about anything I get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about this series, and now I kind of want to read it. <laughs> Watch because the characters that you saw yes! during the game. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, but any game that has a card character whose name is Rosie Palm mm-hmm. is good in my book. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but that, that cracked me up. I love it. Yeah, but like I said, very, I, I wasn't sure what to expect from this one, just because with Martin Wallace's name on it, it's either going to be, like, super heavy brainy burner or... What this is, which is, you know, a lighter but a clever game in the way that, you know, the, the gameplay is unfolding and, and how the cards basically drive the game. This one reminded me a lot of Onward to Venus, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. but I liked it a lot more than Onward to Venus. Yeah. It's a lot less fiddly. Yes, I would agree. Yes. So that was uh, that was Discworld Ogmorepork. Um, yeah, definitely check it out if you can come Find across it. it. Yeah. <laughs> So a Kickstarter that we got in that was that an interesting title. Kickstarters. It's true. Um, this one is from Asmati Games. This is One Deck Dungeon. Um, this is a dungeon crawl slash like roguelike game that can be played with one or two players. Um, you each pick a hero. Oh, that's why you want it because you can play it solo too. Yeah, you can. Um, you each pick a hero. Uh, they oh, have all the heroes are girls, which is cool. We, kinda, I know, I know, we've talked about that on the show. Kind of love it. I totally forgot about it, and I'm like looking at yep. the cards, and I was flipping them. Out. I was like, "Is there a dude signing?" Girl? I'm like, oh, "They're all girls." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, I forgot." Yep. 
So each each hero has has uh, you know specific stats, um, and then you pick a dungeon to explore. And each dungeon has three floors, which are represented by this deck of encounter cards. And there's monsters, there's different perils that you can encounter. But essentially, what you do is you explore the dungeon, and on each turn, you're collectively going to choose one of the cards and flip it over and decide whether you want to encounter the card or whether you want to run away because it's too powerful mm-hmm. for you to endure. Each card has a number of spaces on it that are colored and have a number on them of some kind. And the colors correspond to the different abilities of your characters. So each character has... And the colors of the dice. Well, yeah, and there's dice in the game that determine how the encounters go. So each character has stats for their strength, their agility, um, you have their magic, and their hit points. And whenever you encounter an enemy, you're going to take one die for each point that you have in each statistic, and you're going to roll them collectively. And then you have to assign the dice to cover up the different blocks on the card. And any block that you don't cover is usually going to hurt you in some way, whether it be through damage or through time, which is basically forces you to go through the, the draw deck faster in the dungeon. Um, once the encounter's over, whether you cover all the spaces or not, you win the encounter, and that'll get you either a new item, which will boost up your stats, it'll give you a new ability, um, which your character can use, or it'll give you experience points, and when your party gains enough experience points, you actually level up, which will then increase how many, how many items you can carry, and how many skills you can have, and it also gives you, um, black dice, which are like wild dice that you roll each time, which you can use on any of the different uh, d- different boxes on the monster cards. So you go through this. Every time you run through the deck, you'll reshuffle whatever cards are left to go down to the next floor of the dungeon. Uh, the dungeon gets progressively more difficult as you go through it. Once you've been through all three floors, there's a boss monster on the flip side of the dungeon card that you have to encounter. Um, if you defeat the boss monster, then you win. Uh, if you can't, then you all collectively lose. And, uh, and that's the end of the game. Uh, there's also a campaign mode for this one. So you can go through and basically how well you do gives you different, you know, new skills that you can unlock and you can take that with your character through different encounters. Um, it's a clever little simple game. This is a really small card game. It just, it, it's, you know, just a deck of cards pretty much is the only components. But I found the game to be really, really fiddly when we played it. Um, my gripe, mm-hmm. my biggest gripe is that the stuff we encountered right when we first started was so powerful. How mm-hmm. in the H-E double hockey sticks are we supposed to, you know, defeat it? Well, it's it seems like one of those games where you have to be, like, you're going to take some hits. So you have to kind of be clever in which hits you take. So because like, it's one of those type of things where if you take too much damage too early, you're going to be hampered for the rest of the game. It's going to be difficult to get through. Um, the first game that we played, we did make it through the dungeon. We just died when we got to the boss. Um, he was mean. Yeah, he, he was mean, but we were also like limping by the time we oh, got yeah. there. So it, that it didn't help matters. Yeah, it at wasn't all. helping out too much. Yeah, but I feel like we couldn't get we couldn't get attri- like the attributes weren't mm-hmm. as good on the cards for how strong some of the monsters were. Well, and you might get a like, bad draw too. Like you know what I mean? I mean, there, obviously, there's a different scale of monsters that you have in there. Um, like, I feel like the skills were better than the attribute boosts yeah. were. It's, I don't know. To me, it seems like like once you kind of learn how to maneuver the game, you would be better at well, it. Well, also, I mean, you've played these games for years, video games. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I'm not. That's not what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't play those kind of games. I play, you know, 
my puzzle games and yeah. my Lego games and stuff like that. So um, maybe I'm at a bit of a disadvantage yeah. for not having played those kind of things. I just, like I said, I just found all the, the constant die rolling to be a bit fiddly. Also, every turn you have to you know discard two cards off the top of the deck no matter what you do as time like to, to you know mirror the passage like, of time uh, passing village kind of sort of in that <laughs> regard um but yeah i don't like I said I, I i'm kind of in the middle with this game i thought that i would really enjoy it and when we first played it i was kind of on the I fence like about it's it all girl heroes i'm not sure if i'm sold on the game itself yeah i would i would agree with that uh with that assessment um it's a quick game though like you can play a couple games i think it only took us what 20 minutes to get through something like that that first game it only took us 20 minutes to get our butts whooped right so it's designed for multiple <laughs> plays and I, and honestly like doing the campaign mode might be better because that's one of those ones where you'll get your teeth kicked in early but then as you go through and your characters get more powerful, then you'll have a better experience going mm-hmm. into the different dungeons, stuff like that. So one deck dungeon, not sold on it completely. Um, but if it sounds interesting to you, definitely give it a look see. So now the next three games are going to be some, some, a couple abstract titles that we've been given the table. And this one I know you were super excited about. Yes. I actually had to talk him into backing this on Kickstarter. And he said, fine, I'm leaving it up to you. Are we going to back it or not? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, absolutely. And that's Santorini. I loved this game. I was so excited when we got it. And he texted me at work. And I did a little happy dance. And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we came. I came over from work. Baby went to bed. And we played. It's just a super fun little... Mm-hmm. Like fifteen minute distraction, basically. Yeah. Well, first, um, first of all, the the games. One of the things that people notice about it, the production values for the games are really. It was really like it's better than it needs to be for what this game is. It really is, but I appreciate <laughs> it's it. It's really cool though. Um, Santorini is a game where you have you have this five by five grid of spaces, and you each have two builders. Uh, these these builder pawns that you can move around the board, and each of you also has a Greek god that's assigned to you, and each of them have a unique power that will help you in different ways throughout the game. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to construct these ta- these buildings um, on the grid. So on each turn, you're going to take one of your builders and move them one space and then you're going to construct one part of a building in any of the spaces around you Mm -hmm. essentially and the goal is you're trying to get one of your builders to the third level of one of the buildings in the area now your builder when he moves they can move up one step so you can go from the ground to level one you can go from level one to level two and if you can get from two to three then you win the game there's the trick yeah and and that's the tough part and plus your opponent, um, there, there is a fourth level, a dome, that can be built onto the third level of these towers. And once a dome is built, you can't move a builder up to that top floor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are about to hop it's, on, it's your like opponent the, can... Um, what was I likening it to? Oh, when we played two players in Medina, the uh, screw you caps yes. that you put on yeah, in Yeah, that's Medina. actually that's a great comparison, actually, <laughs> to that, for sure. Um, and that's what you're trying to do. So you're trying to outmaneuver your opponent to get in a position where they won't be able to stop you from reaching reaching the summit. Um, you can also win if, if there's a stalemate. You can also win if, if uh, your opponent cannot both move and build a section on their turn. We didn't have that problem. No, it didn't happen at all. Um and that that is the game for Santorini. I this this game was really fun. Yes. And and we like abstract games and this is kind of And a you're and you're happy that I made spin. you back it. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And there and there there's so much replay value in the box because there's the the base game by itself came with I think forty different ability cards. 
in there. And then there's if you backed it on Kickstarter, um, there's also a small expansion that comes with even more ability cards, and it comes with a variant where the there's a golden fleece on the board, and instead of each player having an ability card, there's an ability card that's assigned to the fleece, and if you're adjacent to it, then you can use that ability, essentially, which is kind of nifty. But yeah, this game, uh, Santorini was really, really fun. Well, you know, I love mythology and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so that was part of the draw for me. Yeah. But then when I watched the video, I'm just like, Ugh. like, yeah, well, and I, and so, I really... And it's one of those like ones it. that each, each time you play, like, you're going to want to play it two or three times like it's not a game that you set up and just play once like yeah, you're gonna play it immediately played it a couple of times yeah and it's and and like i said that that was a really big thumbs up so yeah santorini like i said production values are a little high but if you like abstract games then this one is a is a must play in my estimation for sure um agamemnon was another one that we picked up a little while ago we wanted to wait until we played this one a couple of times before we talk about it on the show um this is another greek mythology themed game but a little bit less uh <laughs> This is one I was not sold on, but he went ahead and got anyway. Well, so the way the game works is there's these um there's a board that has these little circle areas that are connected with rectangular lines essentially that connect the circles in different ways. And on each of the rectangular lines, you're going to put one of three different um symbols symbols essentially and so the one symbol is looking at how many spears or how much strength there is in that chain uh the second symbol is looking at leadership um you have some leader tiles that are ranked a through e and the highest valued leader um is what that one's looking for and then there's one that's just looking for the player that has the most tiles in a certain string and basically a string is any number of circles that are connected with the same with the same of those symbols um, throughout the board map. So you're going to take turns placing a couple of your tiles each onto these circle spaces in order to try to... Circle get the square. Well, in order to try to <laughs> to make it so that when the game ends, you get to claim as many of these rectangular tiles as you possibly can off the board. Um, and there's some other... You have some special tiles, too, that can switch two of the rectangular ones to different threads so you can make new threads. You also, you have, also ones have the that can, ones that like cut off a line. Right. And and so that's what you're trying to do throughout the game. Um, there's also a variant board on this one. So they have a basic board where the set is the same every time. And then a variant board where the placement of the different threads is randomized but still balanced so that it's a fair game and it's not like a crazy swing fest in there. Um, I know you weren't sold on it before we played it. What do you think about it now that we've gotten a chance to play it a few times? Oh, well, the first time we played, I was still a bit confused because I I, I don't think I quite understood mm-hmm. each of the things, um, e- each of the different uh, areas I was trying, the symbols that I was trying to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time we played, I enjoyed myself much more because I kind of understood, okay, I need to put these guys attached to this symbol and this one attached to this symbol. And doesn't hurt that you won both games either, does it? <laughs> <laughs> That has no bearing on this whatsoever. No, not at all. Okay. No, okay. it really doesn't. Um, but yeah, well, and, and of course, I won the first game, and I mm. know what the crap I was doing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those, It's it makes you think a little bit more than I thought. I mean, it's a little tiny box, mm-hmm. and um, when, he, when he pulled out the board the first time, I'm looking at it, I'm like... Okay, we'll see how this goes because it's very, yeah, this, kinda, very kind of plain, very this, this nondescript. Is a, this but, is another one from Osprey Games, who's really been knocking it out of the park this year. I think 
But uh, I just, you know, I really enjoyed it more the second time we, the second time around. Yeah, I think it's just a very clever game. Um, I appreciate the fact that they have the flip side of the board so that you did can kind of mix the up. Side? The second time we did, yes. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate they have the, the flip side so that you can kind of mix up how the game feels every time. Because I can see it getting a little bit stale if you're playing with the same, the same setup in every game. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, Agamemnon ended up being a pretty fun little filler. But see, but unlike Santorini, like this is one where after we play it once, like I'm good. I don't, good. Need, to I don't need to play it yeah. a second time. It's funny in that regard. Well, cause Santorini is more, I would equate it more to like, say it's like a game of like connect four where you're like, okay, two out of three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I keep wanting to play cause we got to keep doing a best out of whatever. Right. Right. Kind of a thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can't believe you beat me. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> That's when I'm just like, eh. So, but yeah, Agamemnon, um, pretty pretty decent little game. Like I said, maybe because it's a little more brainy than. Why don't Why don't you talk about one that's been somewhat of a Grail game that we finally, oh. we finally got to pick up because <laughs> it finally came back in print. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that would be Yinch. Mm. Um, we got a we got an enthusiastic seal of approval on this one from our buddy Brad Smoley. He's like well, he said it was one of his faves. I, I, we've always had a little bit of an affinity <laughs> for abstract games, and this is one that when I started researching them, everyone talks about as being excellent. But of course, it's been out of print like for like three years. Yeah, so Amazon had it for like one hundred and forty dollars. Right, I'm which, like, you know, yeah, not no. paying paying for that. But I finally, for whatever reason. Whoever the publisher is decided to do, uh, do another print run of the whole and he calls me all series. Honey, yeah, honey, he's like they have inch. It's only forty bucks. Yeah, and so we we were all over that. <laughs> um, and I figured one of the reasons I wanted it is because I know M really liked Othello growing up, and this has oh, a I lot of common. Othello. I play the crap out of that with my dad and my brother. Yeah, this has a lot of common um, things with it. The way the way the game is set up is it is there's a board of lines that intersect in into points basically that are usually what six six sided pretty much i think i think that basically three lines in most spaces on the board three lines are intersecting to create a point mm-hmm. and each player has five round um circles that you you put out on the board um before the game starts at the different intersecting points and when it's your turn you basically take your circle one of your rings actually and you move it any number of connections forward in a straight line. But before you move, you have to reach into, um, you have to get one of these markers, these double-sided markers, one side. A donut hole. Right. Is, you have donuts and donut holes in this game. Yeah, yeah and, and you and you put that down in your color where your ring started to move, but then you move your ring anywhere you want. Um, the only catch is that if you run into a line of markers that are already on the board, you can jump any, you can jump them all, and then, but then you have to stop when you land on the other side, and any and markers that you jump over. get flipped, kind of like they do in Othello. And essentially, what you're trying to do is create straight lines where you have five markers of your color. And if you do that, you clear those markers off the board, and then you get to remove one of your rings off the board as well. The goal is you're trying to get three of your rings off the board before your opponent does, and that's a very clever mechanic too, because when you remove your ring from the board, not only, I mean, you're helping yourself by getting yourself closer to victory, but you're also limiting the number of options that you have to move Now on that your I turn. call them donuts and donut holes, I want a donut. <laughs> Sorry. Well, what did you think about Yinch? Because I know that... uh Oh, I was quite engrossed by this one. It made it made me mad, so that's a good thing. Oh, because you didn't see my winning move oh, that I had you set up. Son of a biscuit eater. <laughs> oh, 
so mad. I thought I had you. I thought I had you know everything. Turn- nope, mm-hmm. I missed it. Yeah, and this and this is one of those you know one of those games where you have to think several moves ahead, right? Kind of deal. So, which I appreciate and I like because mm-hmm. it's a puzzle. Which yeah. What are my favorite things in life, honey? Puzzles. Absolutely. And and <laughs> having the rings there is also cool because your opponent can't jump over any rings. So you can kind of use them as blocking mechanisms to keep certain mm-hmm. certain rings locked down. Or you can kind of lead your opponent into doing something that will be beneficial for you, even if they don't necessarily realize mm-hmm. it, that sort of thing. So yeah, Yinch, very clever game. Um, definitely lived up to the small... Says, Ooh, a game I can kick your butt in. Yeah. I was like, oh, finally, one. Well, like I say, this, <laughs> it, it lived up to the small level of hype that I had kind of built up for it in my head um, going into it, and it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- three for three with the uh, with the abstract games this week. So that is Yinch. Um, if you can still find a copy, I would recommend picking it up again if you're an abstract game fan so that is it for new games gonna take a short break and when we come back our 2016 seals of approval enthusiastic seals of approval welcome back so it's the end of the year um, so time to kind of look back on the year that was in board gaming, two-player board gaming specifically. Board gaming was good. The rest of the year sucked. Yeah, but board gaming was actually great. It was a pretty, it was a pretty dang good year. I said for, that was the only thing games. that kept me sane this year. I think. Yeah. So, Jeez. so this is our our 2016 enthusiastic seals of approval. These are the games that we recommend the most based on the different criteria that we're laying out. Um, Standard disclaimers that we usually that you know we gave last year before this. Obviously, this is not a comprehensive list. It's only based on the this games is that the we stuff played. We liked one well, no, is stuff we played. Basically, it's it's only based on stuff we played. Um, we did yeah, but good. it's I stuff think, we liked too. I think I counted uh, forty eight new games that released this year that we played, which is an insane number when you really think about it <laughs> for us. Um, uh you know why? Because we have gaming ADD. That's fine too. That's what our friends tell us anyway. But uh, but yeah, so we we had quite a quite a wide sampling this year um and we have i think it's uh 10 different categories that we're handing out superlatives in here so basically we have a uh, top three in each category along with two yeah also we're going to give you uh each category the second runner-up the runner-up and then the winner for each one and we'll give you some some explanation dialogue as we go and i will tell you if those of you that uh need a comprehend that want a recap of this um we are going to put up a geek list on board game geek he says we he means him well i've already made the list i just have to publish it <laughs> so uh there'll be a link back to that in the show notes on our website um so you can or i might even post that on twitter facebook as well just to make an easy reference point for you listeners out there so without further ado uh give it over to m and we will do our top strategy games for the year 2016 for two players okay so we're starting with three correct Mm -hmm. okay i'm surprised this one's so far down the list though Mm -hmm. all right number three second runner up yeah scythe scythe yes the the famed the famed scythe let's get started fame i love this game yeah i just i can't get enough of it i mean that's that just shows you it's a good year for strategy game that that was number three on the list i mean I don't know what else to say. I mean, yep. like you said, it was a really good year because it it was really hard to pick yep. between these top three. I think we both had different. We did, yeah. There was there was only two categories where we unanimously chose unanimously chose the top game. We'll mention that as we go along. Too. Yeah. 
Um, the first runner-up is Through the Ages. Mm-hmm. The Through the Ages new story of civilization. Yeah. And Sock, as he put it in our sheet here. Yes. <laughs> Made me giggle right before we came on, actually. Um, and our number one, no shocker here, because we have talked highly about it on the show, is A Feast for Odin. Yep. Uh, there was really no <laughs> other choice for number one strategy game for me this year. That was the end-all, be-all. For, for me, for sure. What was mine? Was mine side? Uh, was mine? Yours was uh, Through the Ages, actually. Was it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you chose Through the Ages. I had Feast for Odin. Um, I should probably mention the way that I rank these. So instead of having the the argument feud that was picking our top 20 games. Oh, um, my God. Last <laughs> year, I wanted to pull my hair out and punch him in the face. Yeah. What I did is I just I gave us each the, the ballot with all the different options on it, and we each made our own list, and then I weighed them out. Um, with point value. So like a first place vote was worth 10 points, second place vote was worth like seven, third place was worth four, et cetera, et cetera, and then rank them based on that. So there are a few ties in here as a result of that, because obviously there's only two of us, so the weighted system doesn't necessarily work as well. Um, but for the most part, it got the results pretty close. But yeah, Feast Froden was my number one, uh, Emily's number two, uh, which is why it tops the list for strategy mm-hmm. games. Uh, the next one was co-op games. Uh, this is, of course, cooperative games that we think work best with two players. Uh, number three, second runner-up, uh, was Zombicide Black Plague, uh, one of one of our favorites that we had early in the year and have played it a whole bunch. Yes, actually, um, that came up on my time hop today. We got that a year ago today. Mm-hmm. That was so. very cool. But like I said, that was so strange because the box actually said Zombicide Black Plague on yeah. the outside. I'm like, way to ask somebody to steal it, buddies. And <laughs> uh, and the num- and the the winner is actually a tie for the top spot. Um, my pick for number one was Arkham Horror Living Card Game, and Emily's pick for number one was Mechs versus Minions. So they share the top spot because they each got equal weighting. I'm sorry, I'm in love with Doctor Robotnik and his Metal Yoshi. Uh, I'm not blaming you for that. I, I think I, I think I had that fourth, and I think you had Arkham Horror fourth, which is how they both ended up with the same number of of points yeah. when we did our voting. But yeah, two definitely great choices. Yeah, um, I think we had all five the same games in this one. Just yeah, just different. a different order, yeah. right? So, but yeah, can't. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with either of those. Um, Next one too. And and yeah, but Arkham Horror for me, just because I I think the game's really clever, got a lot of replay value, and yeah, Mechs versus Minions. We said it on the show before. It's it's probably the best value in gaming. What? Have out we there played today, it three times already. Yeah, something like that. Had it and phew, yep. love it. So yeah, that's so that is co-op games. So move on to Kickstarter games. Oh, excuse me, burp. Sorry. Um, our no, our second runner-up in Kickstarter games is Thirteen Days. Yeah, for this one, um, with Kickstarter games, we kind of weigh out game value and production quality a little bit too um because with kickstarter obviously there's sometimes a little bit of chrome um that sort of thing but yeah 13 days was one of the kind of sleeper hits for us for this year Mm, we played it last night yeah it's been (laughs) it's been really great um the our first runner-up well no that's the tie for first oh well you have one too the other one you did one oh i didn't mean to do that sorry oh (laughs) papa okay so the tie for number one is Millennium Blades, which and, was Emily's pick, and Scythe, which was mine. Yes. So yeah, though, and I think we've talked about that. If you're a longtime listener on the show, both of those games have gotten a lot of praise. Millennium Blades, especially um, for a game that is like a two-hour commitment. Whenever you play, we have played that game a whole bunch mm-hmm. so far this year, which is uh, the th- surprising for I'm us. I'm sorry, the theming on the decks, the different decks that you know pop out throughout the game. Hilarious. 
And this is one that I think for me um, ranked a little bit lower just because of the two-player gameplay. I don't know if it's as strong as it is with more players, but I know you had a lot. You had a lot of praise for this one this year, as we'll find I, as we go through. I did because I was the biggest doubter of this game from the get because you're just like oh you're explaining this game to me and it made absolutely zero freaking sense to me yep. when you're explaining to me and show me videos i'm just like whatever and you're like you know what I, i'm just going to get this and if we don't <laughs> like it we can flip it i'm like okay and now i am like the biggest you know cheerleader heels, for yeah. it. <laughs> absolutely so very cool yeah uh, the next category is games that are exclusively two-player games. These are games that you can only play with two players. So, of course, that category is near and dear to our heart, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, second runner-up is a new game that we just talked about in the show, in the show Sola Fide. Um, I was really taken with this one. I had it ranked rather highly on my list. Um, and that's how it ended up at number three. Um, number two is a game that we talked about a lot earlier in the year, and that is Thunder and Lightning from Z-Man Games, a really clever uh, card game that sort of reminded me in ways of Android Netrunner, so spoke to me. And Emily didn't hate it, so so that was good too. Unlike <laughs> Android Never, Emily, and you really like Thunder and Lightning, so I do. Yes, so it's, it's very cool. I love it a lot. But yes, that's why I made number two. Uh, but the winner, two player only games. And this was a unanimous choice between the both of us. No surprise to me that we chose this one <laughs> unanimously, and that was uh, Thirteen Days: The Cuban Missile Crisis. From Upper Deck. Or is Upper Deck? No. Uh, Ultra Pro, sorry. <laughs> From Ultra Pro. I want to say, get it straight yeah. there, buddy. Um, Upper Deck does the uh, the legendary yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I love 13 Days. Uh, you know, Twilight Struggle in 45 Minutes, we've described it as, and it, it really is that. Just really, really sharp, tight game that if you love card driven games, you should pick up. It's really great. So. <laughs> you just said shart. I meant uh, sharp. I think I said sharp. I don't know. You were trying to say sharp or short, and you said sharp. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy lord. Huh. This is what stress around the holidays does yeah. to me. It makes me giggle uncontrollably. I'm sorry. Um, Our next list is abstract games. Yes. Which, I mean, we've played several. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, there hasn't been a ton of new ones this year. No. So, so our uh, second runner-up is Agamemnon. Hmm. Which we just talked about, so we won't go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. Um, number, our first runner-up is Onitama. Yes. I, I really, I'm really taken with Onitama. I know that you are not quite as high on it as I, I think you like the game. You're frustrated because you never seem to be able to, to be able to win. Well... <laughs> I try, mm. but you know I suck at chess. Yes. So, I'm trying. I'm getting better each time. I get a little bit better. You do. I I, I just I find only time would be incredibly clever though. It's it's a very very interesting game. I think. And shocker number one is Santorini. Well, what, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, we had so much fun. We played what two or three games right in a row immediately as soon as we got it and yeah. it's 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 just a it's a delightful game so mm-hmm. absolutely um the next category for us uh this is our favorite reprint slash new edition of a game so this will cover a game that um got a fresh reprinting um that changed it in some way i'm just not talking about a new print run i'm talking about like a legitimately new print or a second or third edition or a rules um, revision blah that blah, sort of thing sort of yeah 
Um, so that is what we're looking at here. Uh, number second runner up for this category, the new Mansions of Madness second edition. Um, terrific Cthulhu themed kind of dungeon crawl game. I uh, really like the app, the app implementation. For the game is fantastic. Yeah, and it's and it's a very it just well done production. So much easier. And, and so much easier to track. Well, and to the point where we both, while we like Descent, we got rid of Descent because it was just too much upkeep and set up and take down. And plus, we don't like one versus many. But now I've given half a thought to check in back out again simply because they now have the cooperative app version, which might make for a better experience. But we still have lots to explore in Mansions of Madness. That's not something I'm going to be running out and doing anytime soon. No. Um, the runner-up uh, for this category is Thunder and Lightning, which we talked about. This was the, the It's a re-implementation of an older game called Hera and Zeus that came out back when. Uh, they kept the gameplay pretty similar from what I understand, but they did improve the the readability on the cards. They had text on the cards instead of symbols, which the first game, apparently, you had to like look in the rule book every time you learned to play a card, okay. which is a little obnoxious. Um, and just, and read, you know, redid the uh, art, redid the theme. Race for the galaxy all over again. Yeah, pretty much. And then, uh, the winner of favorite reprint slash new edition is Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. No surprise here. Really cool, slightly streamlined version of Through the Ages. It's just really, really fun. Like, this is another one. It takes two hours. It doesn't feel like it takes two hours to play. No. It takes a little, it takes closer to three, and we've played it. Really? Yeah, more times than. You would think that we'd have been able to play a three-hour game in 2016. So, yeah, very... No, no, Especially now that our child hates naps. Yeah, I, I, I knew this one was going to win number one as soon as I wrote the category down. Um, so, like I said, no shocker there. Um, our next list is card games. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so our second runner-up is Arkham Horror LCG. Yes. Which... What was it? Ninth time is the charm for Mama. <laughs> for LCGs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our first runner-up is Thunder and Lightning. Yes, the highly the highly decorated Thunder and Lightning. And I am very excited that our number one is Millennium Blades. I'm not shocked about this. I'm. I don't. I, I think I put Arkham Horror slightly above this game, um, and that's why it wasn't unanimous choice. But I knew that Millennium Blades was going to win because I knew that you would have it number one, and I've got no qualms with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, really clever deck building slash tournament card based game. Dang. Dang what? The next category. Oh. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The next one. Well then, the next one is uh, thematic games, and there's we're going to talk about four games because we had a tie for first and a tie for third in this category. So our two second runners up, uh, my choice was Zombicide Black Plague. Uh, M's choice was Mansions of Madness Second Edition, uh, and then the winner, uh, M's choice, Millennium Blades. No surprise there. <laughs> Incredibly thematic game. Um, and my choice was The Others, which, uh, which is the new game from Eric Lang, Colmini or not. Um, I, I'm quite taken with this one. This one and Zombicide kind of like flip flopped a lot with some of the award choices for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I like aspects of one better than aspects of the other, but I really like the things that The Others does with the, it's, it's the best, I'd say it's the best one versus many game that, that you can get for two players that we've played. Because we've had so many, like, you know, Descent kind of stalled out for us. Imperial Assault, which is essentially Descent, stalled out. We didn't like Level 7 Omega Protocol. You know, that, that's, a, that's a style of game that doesn't really compute very well with us. And this one has gone over what terrifically. What was the other one? Um, Zeno Shift. Yes. Onslaught. Well, that, that was a cooperative game. That's fully cooperative. Oh, well, that's yeah. still... 
I that game was rough. Yeah, but but the others has clicked really well, and uh, and we've enjoyed that quite I a like bit. It. Yeah, I like being bad guys. <laughs> Just like I do in claustrophobia, like me and the bad guys. Um, okay, so our next one is new to us in 2016. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a 2016 title, but it's something that we finally well, got to play in 2016. Well, uh, we, we figured that there's a lot of games that you know we don't get to in the year that deserve to be recognized. And you know, we'll discover stuff later on. And this is a catch-all category for highlighting some older titles that you maybe should check out that we thought were particularly good. One I just spoke of. Mm-hmm. Tie for a second runner-up. Claustrophobia. Yes. I love this game. It's a it's a really neat. It, it's a dungeon crawl designed for two players. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really well implemented, well executed. The miniatures are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. My like I always play the bad guy. I love playing the bad guy. Um, but the bad guy miniature actually. Underneath one of his feet has the head of one of his minions. I guess you made him angry, and I love it. Yep, and they're pre-painted too, which yeah. is also nice. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, really, really neat two-player dungeon crawl. Um, we actually just got the expansions for that too. Mm-hmm, I'm excited. Yep. So that was your choice for second runner-up. Yes. Um, Brad's was Clask. Yes. Which we have talked about this many times on the show. Please, if you like air hockey, anything like that. Get this game. It's air hockey on your table. Mm-hmm. But but cooler air or hockey. What was it? What what did Marvels? It's like Danish Danish air hockey. Is that what they called it? Or Danish foosball? It's not foosball. It's not foosball. No, it was. I don't remember how they described it. It was it was hilarious how they described it. But I, I mean, it. it's, it's table soccer essentially, but with some more clever stuff in there to make it a little bit more. There's actually some strategy in a game oh, that absolutely. shouldn't really have any strategy at all. So. Uh, the first runner-up was Targi. Yes, that was my number one pick, though. Yes, but it wasn't on the board for me, so it didn't. Yeah. So it it, it was really. I, I like Targi. I just the the five games that I chose, I I liked more. So, but you love Targi. I do. Forgive me. Um, and actually, just had an expansion come out. Mm-hmm. So. So what what do you like about Targi the most? <sighs> Probably the. I like I like having to collect the different set. Like you have a goal to work towards with the set collection aspect of it, mm-hmm. and trying to make your stuff work. And the screw you factor. Yes, very high absolutely. screw you factor. <laughs> you know that's always high on my list. Yep. Um, the number one is baseball highlights twenty forty five. Yeah, this was my number one. This was your number three, four, or something like that. If I'm not mistaken, it's four. Yeah, but I I love. We've had a lot of fun playing this baseball game. highlights. We terrific game, very unique deck building game. We love our deck builders. Um, this is one of the and more unique ones. We just got the Baltimore expansion. Woo! Yeah. Um, but it's there. There's not a game that you have played that is quite like this one. I don't think. So. No, absolutely not. So it's it's a very cool take on uh, deck building and to and make and incorporate the baseball theme. Very cool game. Uh, definitely check that one out as well. So that leads us to our overall game of the year. Now, we've been doing top three through this. Uh, for the game of the year, we will give you a top ten. So these are our top ten favorite two-player games. Now, are we going from the bottom up again? Of course. Yeah, you okay. got to draw that suspense out. So our, our top ten favorite two-player games. I hate suspense. Um, and like I said, this is based on an aggregate of like our two scores. Yep. <laughs> so number ten, Arkham Horror, the card game. Very, very cool game. 
looking forward to diving into it that much more, especially as the as the expansions come out. It should be a lot of fun. Number nine, Mech's first minions. The sleeper, the the or not not even the sleeper hit, the out of nowhere hit of twenty sixteen. Probably no, this is the Brad almost had a brain aneurysm game of twenty sixteen. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the game was worth it because I would have been really <laughs> pissed off if I had spent four hours trying to order the damn thing and it and it didn't. And it, it was wasn't terrible. good. Yeah. Uh, number eight for us: uh, Thunder and Lightning from Z-Man Games. Every time I say this, I think of that stupid movie with Sean William Scott. And we say, "Little bit of thunder, little bit of lightning." <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Um, number seven is the others. Yes. So fantastic game production quality, excellent. Ugh, yep. just great. Yep. I'm looking forward to using more of the sins. Yes. Funnily enough, number six is Zombicide Black Plague. This one got the edge for me a little bit just because we played it a lot more and had a lot more fun with it. So. We did. Yep. Especially that time where we had like 50 zombies in the room yes. with us all at once. Yes. <laughs> number five is Millennium Blades. Yes. This I'm was a little one. upset this is so low well, on the list. This was your number two. And again, the only reason I had it, I think I had it ranked eighth. And the only reason, well, just just because of the two player play. That was like, this is my game. I got to get this game, Mama. Please, can we back it? Can we back it? I don't care. I'm backing it anyway, even if you don't want to. It's it's still number eight or number five. That's pretty damn good. Well, number eight for me. That's pretty damn good. It's two for me. That's six spots. That's a six spot difference there. Sure, we didn't line up. But we lined up pretty good on the on the top couple, I think. Uh, number four, well, through the ages, well. yeah, pretty pretty well. Uh, through the ages, a new story of civilization. Um, I was really taken with this game. Like I said, I didn't know. I, I of course had heard about it beforehand. Um, heard the new edition was definitely the one that you should go get. Um, I have a feeling that I would have been. Actually, I have a feeling you would have been really annoyed with the older edition when it comes to some of the way they did you know, some of the things in the game. Uh, the new edition is great, a lot of fun, great brain burner, um, and just really enjoyable game for like a really said, heavy strategy game. It does not feel like it takes out. And he says, I, I suggested it one evening, and, and he goes, I thought you said you didn't want to play a heavy game. I'm like, that's a, that's a heavy game? Because that doesn't feel like it to me. Well, don't don't listen to M. It, it is M. He came before you run out and buy. Like, oh, it won't be that bad. They yeah. said it wouldn't be that bad. So, yeah, don't listen to me. I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in a good way. Uh, number <laughs> number three was thirteen days. Yeah, this I this I just I I adore this game. It's, we talked about it earlier, but it's, yes, and I'm looking forward to the the even micro version of said game. It's not, it's not going to be as good as regular 13 Days, though. Yes, but yeah. still, I'm looking forward to it because it's very cool. Yes, very cool concept. But yeah, 13 Days, if you... For those of you out there, it's going to be called 13 Minutes. <laughs> yes. But if, again, if you like card-driven games even a little bit, please, please, please go pick this game up. It's terrific. Okay? Um, number two... Even though Brad can't beat me at it, he still thinks it's great. Yes. <laughs> Rude of you to bring that up. But anyway, <laughs> number two uh, is A Feast for Odin. Said, found out about this game in the summertime, wanted it really badly. Uwe Rosenberg, fantastic, great sandbox action selection game, and it's it's tremendous fun. Like you said, the board makes you kind of go, whoa, mm-hmm. when you first look at it. But once you kind of learn, it's it's fairly simple. Yep. Terrific you gotta, game. You got to, you know, do your actions, feed your peeps, you're good. Yep. So... By unanimous decision. Yes, unanimous decision, which is shocking because, you know, we 
as you've found out, don't agree on much, apparently. Um, number one was Scythe. Yes, Tabletop for Two's Game of the Year, Scythe. Which I could have told you that when we first got it because we played it three times in the first week that we had it. Yeah, and have played it several more times since then as well. Yeah, just just a really a, a neat marriage of different styles of games. You know, you've got some... You know, some farming in there. You've got some 4X style gameplay. You've got some dudes on a map warmongering if you want it. Um, really interesting action selection. Just one of the more, one of the more unique games that I can recall playing in recent memory. And this is, I mean, this is kind of like a chalk pick, right? Like, you know, a lot of people are going to be thrown upside. There's their game of the year. And I'm fine with that. Um, but that doesn't diminish the fact that it's a really good freaking game. And that we just love it that much. Yeah. yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, on on in all ten of these categories, we only had two unanimous choices for number one, and this was one of them, and and that's overall game of the year. And the expansions came out. We haven't got a chance to really crack into that yet, but I'm certainly looking forward to it with the two new factions. And uh, and yes, yeah, Scythe is just a really cool game. Um, works well at every player count. Even solo, because I've played probably more games of that solo than I've played of anything else this year so far. And uh, yeah, it's just a really excellent game. Uh, Scythe is terrific. And if you have not played it, I would implore you to to change that, because it's excellent. And it is our game of the year. It gets our most enthusiastic of seals of <laughs> approval for 2016. So that is it. Um, we would love to hear from you guys if uh, if you guys agree with us or have differing opinions what your top games for two players were uh, from the year that just that is passing us as we speak so uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or in the BGG Guild and let us know what you think uh, should have been on the list for two player seals of approval for us and again um, if you want a summation of the games that we talked about here check out the geek list which I will link to in the show notes and possibly other places and that'll give you and uh, you can bookmark that one and that'll give you a chance to refer back to it if you were curious to check out any of these titles that we uh, that we highlighted for you with our uh, with our year-end look and that is actually it for us this week so thank you guys um, again for tuning into us we're you know halfway through our second year doing the show and you know it's been a really really cool experience and we appreciate all you guys who download the podcast listen to it every other week we put it out and we hope to be able to do some more cool things in 2017 to make the show bigger and better so but yeah but thank thanks all you very much for for listening every single i can't believe you listen to us drone on about this stuff so (laughs) thank you i mean we're we're i mean we're not the most exciting people in the world most evenings we spend at home with our kid, and once he goes to bed, we play board games. So, you know, yep. I'm glad that people out there are just like us and want to hear what we have to say about playing with two two people. Yep. So, but yeah, that is that is it for the show this week. Um, again, just a reminder, we are an affiliate of the TNP Studios Network of Shows. Definitely check out all the other great shows in that network as well, which include the Nerdpocalypse, uh, Dense Pixels, which is the video game podcast that I myself host, um, Black on Black Cinema. And mouthful of toast. And it would also help us greatly. Um, we have an Amazon affiliate link for our, for the Dense Pixels podcast. So if you do any last minute Amazon shopping, uh, use that link if you could to help support the uh, Dense Pixels show, which is, uh, 
Amazon or sorry, www.densepixels.com slash Amazon. And you pay the same price on Amazon, but it's a little bit of a kickback for Dense Pixels, which like I said, helps us pay for the things we had to pay for to get the show out there. And it's always appreciated when that's done. Um, and again, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at tabletop for two is where you can check us out there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it for this episode. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, we will catch you guys in 2017. Oh God. That's right around the corner. And uh, and I, I came up with a cool topic for the next episode. Uh, we're going to take a look at our Kickstarter habits <laughs> and kind of take kind of analyze what games have worked, what games had. And it's a, it's a neat thing I, I came up with and I've been you know running the data for a little bit. And, and the results are interesting and kind of shed a light on Kickstarter. That uh, that's an interesting little thing. We'll talk about that next episode. Keep an ear out for that. Uh, we will see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks again. Talk to you later.